knew what we wanted to do, we knew what we were trying to achieve, and I think there was just a, a pat on the back to say, yeah, you, you guys have done it. To achieve that, you know, I'm forever grateful for my for my team for believing in, in the vision that we had when we came over here and trusting them in what we were trying to do. So I think that's, you know, to, to achieve three hats in the first year is just a, um, is all down to my team at the end of the day. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We have amazing restaurants in Australia and some that have been a shining light on the world stage. But what's it like taking an award-winning restaurant from one country and translating that into the Australian dining scene? Alan Stewart is the head chef of Encore by Claire Smith in Sydney. Alan, how are you? Good. Thank you for your time. It's good to get you on the show. Uh, you've had quite a, uh, an entrance into the Australian dining landscape and uh, received a lot of awards um, just recently. What's it been like? Uh, crazy. It's been, it's been full on. Uh, it's been a, a crazy two, uh, two years um, moving over here. Um, it's been a lot of challenges, but it's, it's, been, it's been good to see it all pay off. Um, what's it been like... Uh, creating a restaurant uh, in Australia. I know you spent a lot of time in the UK, which we'll get into, but was, do you approach things a lot differently to what you uh, would have in London? Um, I think just running the, the kitchen and the way about going about it in a, in a hotel is very different. Um, but I think I, I learned a lot of how to manage that from moving to different countries, uh, working in the States and working at Le Madison Park. You sort of, you have to run on several um several teams to make it happen and I think I sort of learned that from working at 11 Madison Park and that that style of management um, but I think through, through all my travels it's, it's allowed me to take different different parts of management and be able to implement it over here um, the restaurant's owned by Claire Smith and um, but she's not here all the time and um, you're left sort of running the ship uh, what's the communication like what's the autonomy that you have in regards to dish creation and, and her involvement um it's constantly me talking to her um, a lot, um, be it over, over Zoom chats when we first were getting open, um, or just me giving her a call or a text and, and talking about new produce and, and what's coming in. Um, even when we were first opening the restaurant, Claire wasn't able to make it over um, for opening because of COVID. Um, so we had to put a dish on the menu that she'd, she'd never tried before. Um, and people asked me what, what that was like, and I said, well, I, ha- I have so many good people around me within my team that... Um, that I trust them to be able to, to tell me if it's right or if it's wrong or if it's it's a good dish or not. And I think that's how we we often go about dish development when uh, when Claire isn't able to get over. Uh, you're an Antipodean, but um, what was it like for you exploring Australian produce, um, having spent much of your career abroad? Uh, it's been amazing to come come back to the side of the world. Um, I, I had lived in Australia back in 2010. Uh, but just to see the the growth and all the amazing farmers, um, all the amazing, you know, going down to the oyster farms when I first arrived to traveling out to Perth to go and see the um, the truffle farms. I think produce over here is just, it's amazing now. Take us back to when you were young. You're from New Zealand originally. What sort of role did food play in your family? Um, everyone sort of asked me how I got into to being a chef. Um, and I remember back um, at primary school, we did this thing called an enterprise project where you had to come up with a, um, a business idea um, and all the parents would come in on, on one night and uh, change all their money into um, funny money. So the business idea I sort of came up with was to make um, chocolates and fudges and wrap them up in, uh, in cellophane and sell them at the, um, the school fair. So um, mum sort of helped me with that. 
when I was younger and after that I was sort of like, well, this is this is what I wanted to do. So at about the age of eight, I already knew I wanted to be a chef and I sort of set my sights on that. What were your first steps into the industry? What was it like? Um, first steps was 14. Um, there was a little cafe right next site, uh, next door to my um, my house where I was growing up in a little village called Okaihau back in New Zealand. Um, and I started washing dishes there on the weekends. Um, the owner was 74 years old. He was every morning uh, making his pies. Um, and I think I just, I just got a really good work ethic from, um, from starting off there, just right at the bottom, starting in a cafe. Um, from there, I sort of got, um, there was another chef called Huey Blues who had a cafe in, um, in Waitangi, um, and he sort of took me under, under his wing um, when I was 15 and started doing uh, competitions. Um, and at 19, he sort of said, well, you know, it's enough enough of these competitions. It's time to go out and see the big bad world and see what it's actually like overseas. And he sort of told me I had to get out of here and, and get on my way. So I did. Ended up in Melbourne. Well, tell us about that experience. You joined the team at Mays uh, by Gordon Ramsay, which um, had, a, had a short lifespan in Melbourne. But what was that like? It was a good stepping stone. Uh, Josh Emmett was the head chef at the time. Um, he'd sort of just come back from uh, from New York, uh, where he was running uh, Gordon's flagship over there for for almost ten years. I think he was in the, based in the states. Um, so it was a good stepping stone into the into the Gordon Ramsay group. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to Hospital Road. Um, that was just my my first my first touch point to get into the group. Um, and when it when it did close, I was I was already on my way to um to Hospital Road. So it was it was a good learning curve, a big, bigger kitchen instead of a little cafe. Uh, restaurant Gordon Ramsay is um, one of the most influential restaurants on the planet. It's been three Michelin stars for twenty odd years. What what was it like working in that kitchen? Uh, I loved it. I loved it to pieces. It is my foundation to to who I am today. Um, it's a hard kitchen, no doubt about it. Um, but if you look at the talent that's come out of that kitchen, there's, there's, it's undeniable that, that, you know, for how hard it is to work there, it, it produces, you know, talent. You know, I think the old saying is um, pressure creates diamonds, and it, it definitely did. Um, and I loved it. Uh, I, the opportunity to work under, under Claire when she was head chef there, but also Matt as well, you know, they really, they really um, sculptured me and, and, and drove me to, to uh, want to be the best. And um, I think, you know, working in that sort of environment with a lot of people around me, uh, Buddha Lowe, who you've had on before, I think. Um, Buddha, was a, um, Buddha was there as well. Uh, there was just a lot, of, a lot of people that are starting to come through as head chefs now were there, there when I was there. Um, you know, Kim, who's the head chef there now. Under Matt, she was she was part of that team when I was making my way through the ranks. So we had an amazing team. I really loved it there. Do you have any stories of what it's like working in a kitchen like that and and maintaining those standards at, at restaurant Gordon Ramsay? Um, I mean stories. I think I think Claire just when Claire was in charge there, I think she just taught me the the point of respecting the produce um, and understanding that the lineage of where it's come from. You know, it's it's not just uh, a potato that turns up, you know, someone's actually taking the time to grow it. Um, it's taken months and months, you know, they've, then they've got to dig that potato up, they've got to put it put it onto a truck, the supplier's got to then deliver it to you. So then to, you've got to respect every single piece of ingredient that comes into the building, you need to, to really look after it. Um, and I think, you know, the standards start, start from the ingredients, you know, um, and they, they finish on the plate. 
Um, so I think that was just something that, that Clare taught me is to really, really respect the produce. Gordon Ramsay um, is um, one of the most well-known people on the planet, let alone chefs. Do you have any stories or um, moments where you've had interactions with him while you, while you were there? Um, at, at Hospital Road, not as much. Um, I did a couple of events with him. Um, I spent Christmas Day with Gordon um, uh, cooking at his house. Um, he normally has a, a, a Christmas dinner with um, with the Beckham, so that was that was pretty cool to do. Um, went to Norway back in 2016 to a place called uh, Trondheim, um, and we did an event for 500 people, um, and that was pretty pretty full on to see to see the, the Gordon Ramsay effect. Um, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Um, but he's so in touch with with what, what happens in the industry, and he knows what's going on. And I think people sometimes give him a, a, a lot of slack as being a, a TV chef, but that's not the case. Like Gordon's very very down to earth. He knows what what's happening in the industry. He's very in touch with what's happening. So um, it was pretty cool to do a, a, an event that size with Gordon. Um, I remember we didn't. <laughs> We ran out of plates, and he was pretty calm. To be fair, you know, managed to get everything organised. So it was, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Oh, I need to take you back a little bit. Not many people cook Christmas dinner for the Beckhams or the Ramseys. Um, tell us about that day. What did you cook? Oh, that would be hard for me to to remember exactly what we did. I do remember um, we uh, we needed to cook some um, some fish, and uh, it needed to be very well done. That's what we were told, um, and it wasn't quite well done. So Gordon had to get up and. Uh, basically uh yeah boil the fish um i won't say who it was for but um yeah it was a bit of a, a bit of a funny one um but it was cool i, I really enjoyed that experience and it, it's yeah it was it, this the times that i did get to um to be around gordon was they were cool experiences i must say um he's he's a nice guy even doing uh, some filming with him at christmas was cool as well uh you spent a bit of time in new york at 11 madison park how did that come about um, I was sort of looking for where to go next after uh, Richard Gordon Ramsay. Uh, I always, I always sort of, whenever I had a holiday, I'd always go to another country and do stages. Um, so I ended up staging at uh, Alinea. I staged at Grace. I went to Eleven Park, and I went to uh, Danielle as well, um, uh, and also per se at the time. So every, every time I would take a holiday, I'd try and go into to another country stage and those stages were sort of, I'd start working out where I wanted to go from there. Um, and Olivia Madison Park was uh, a restaurant that was sponsoring at the time. Um, so I finished up my time at restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Uh, I went to uh, Bordeaux for three months, uh, part of the Gordon Ramsay group. And during that time I was sort of organizing my visa to go out to Olivia Madison Park. And then I headed out there, uh, must have been August, 2015. So I sort of turned up at, at a great time when uh, Eleven Madison Park just uh, was winning uh, World's 50 Best and they were also doing their um, their refurb, so we went out to the Hamptons for the summer. Uh, so it was it was a pretty cool time to be part of that restaurant, to be fair. To see the um, the old Eleven Madison Park and the new Eleven Madison Park emerge was, was amazing. You mentioned some pretty incredible uh, restaurants in the US. T- tell us how different they were and and also compared to the experiences you'd had in London. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, each, each one I went to was very different. Um, Grace, which unfortunately is not there anymore, which is kind of stuff, his restaurant, um, is very much based around the linear. Like I had, well, I started at Grace first and then I went and started at linear. 
and Curtis Duffy had worked for um, for Grand Ackets for quite some time when they first opened the linear, and you could just see that it was very similar. The similarities were were almost spooky. Uh, it was most almost like the same kitchen, um, and that was awesome to see. Um, I think at Danielle's it was it was it wasn't quite what I wanted to do, um, so that made it a lot easier for me to decide to go to uh, Madison Park. But at EMP, I think the the, sh- the thing I learned there was a lot more management and structure and how to run big teams. You know, we were looking at 50, 50 chefs in the kitchen. Um, we were running off three different teams. But I think there was a lot of you had to be organised to be able to, and you had to have good communication because you were, you had an AM and a PM. So you had a, you had a partner on your section. You needed to be communicating towards that person. Um, I think when I was, I was there, you know, if I was on the AM, I was always trying to set my, my PM partner up. I was always trying to make sure I got more done and, and to leave that person with as little prep to do as possible. Uh, I don't think it was, it's not always the way that works in the kitchen. Sometimes you walk in in the morning and your uh, your partner's stitched you up. And, uh, you've got no mise en passe and you've got to run around. But I always tried to uh, I tried to do the opposite. I'd rather be the one to be standing there saying when the person walks in, going, "No, nah, you've got nothing to do, mate. You could you could focus on service." Um, and I think that that sort of driving that mentality is a good way to, to think for the team. You know, it's not just yourself. You're trying to try and do much as much for the team as possible. Tell us about your time with the Franson Group. Uh, amazing. Uh, for me, um, I, I put France as one of the top five restaurants uh, in the world, um, for sure. Um, it was definitely, it, it, you know, if I, if I look at all the restaurants I have worked in, it's, each one is very different and each one taught me very differently. Um, I think from France and I, from Bjorn himself, I sort of, I just learned a different, again, another way of management. He was very calm. He was very, um, when something went wrong, it was all about, how to deal with it in a in a positive way and not not stress out or not not lose your head about it. Um, I mean, if you, for a story's sake, I remember um, a piece of fish went out with clean film on it. Um, you know, God forbid that happens, but it did. Um, and you know, the reactions that I'd seen in the past would be to you'd absolutely lose it. Um, but he was just like, okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna do an extra course. We're gonna go across. We're gonna make a joke. This one's got no clean film on it. You know. And it was just like, oh, this is a very different way of, of doing things. Um, I think also just looking at him as a businessman, he's um, he's very smart about what he's what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, just, I have a lot of admiration for um, for for Bjorn for sure. You've worked in some incredible restaurants, but also very hard kitchens as as well. Have you seen the culture change a lot, especially now that you're running um, one of Australia's best restaurants? Uh, yeah, I think you've got to, you have to lead by example. Um, you have to, you, you have to, uh, there's a lot more focus on making sure how the team is feeling and making sure that everyone's in a good, a good mindset. Um, I'm very much about that as we move, uh, when we're about to start service, I, I try getting everyone, you know, 15 minutes before we start service, we should be set, we should be boxed off and there should be this, this almost this 15 minute gap where there's a bit of Zen within the kitchen where everyone knows they're ready to go. Um, and then once you're into service, it just flows. Yeah, I've been in kitchens before where, um, where you're not set, you know, and it's chaos, and um, it's a horrible environment when it's like that. If you're, if you're not ready for service, then it, it becomes chaotic, um, and I'm very much the opposite way after so many different kitchens and stuff. I, I'm, I always want the kitchen to be 
by the time we hit that service period at 12 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, it's calm. It's quiet and everyone knows they're set. Everyone knows they have the meson pass ready to go into service. Um, I think that, get, that just allows us to, to, to cook at a higher level and to deliver a better experience. I think when you're having to run off and you're still trying to organize your meson pass and it's 7 o'clock and, you know, the first mains are getting called away, it's just not a it's not a, a clear mindset to be having. Um, so I think that's something that I always, kitchen-wise, I always make sure that my guys are at that period. You know, it's hectic in the morning, we're busy getting set up, but once we hit service time, it should be it should be calm, it should be quiet, it should be very focused to make sure that we deliver at the highest uh, standard possible. You mentioned uh, the influence of Claire Smith um, early on and throughout your career, but how did you, how did you reconnect with her? Um, so, Chef um, asked, talked to me about this uh, project opening in Australia back in, uh, when was it, June 2019. So, that was into my, my first year of um, from being at Franson. Um, and I sort of, I had made the commitments to um, to Marcus, who was the head chef when I first moved over there, there that I would do two years. Um, I'm sort of very much a man of my word, and if I if I shake someone's hand and say I'm going to do two years, I'm, I'm going to stick to it. So I said to Claire, you know, I, I can't come yet. I made this commitment, um, but I'm happy to come in uh, in 2020. Um, and everybody knows what happened in 2020. <laughs> the world flipped upside down, and um, but I found myself trying to move from Sweden to um, Sweden to to London to then uh, Sydney during the middle of. Uh, middle of COVID so that made it all, all the more interesting um, I think for the actual time I spent at Core after I left France and I think the restaurant was open uh, Core was open for maybe four weeks total um, in and out of lockdowns so actually coming over here I probably had I think even just doing service on the pass in London I think, like calling the pass I think I did two services before I came out here so it was um, yeah it was pretty pretty uh, full on um, but yeah, so she she'd asked me to come out uh, June 20, 2019 and from there we started working working on getting me out here. So, how did you feel coming out here to sort of uh, run a pretty important restaurant for Claire Smith? But um, that sort of reconnection was so sort of jolted, and um, you didn't really get much time on the pans with her in in London. Um, I didn't I didn't really put much. I mean, yeah, this whole this whole last year and a half, I, I, I have never really thought about what we managed to achieve um, and what we did do. You know, uh, when I was in London, I was I was literally on standby for almost three months. My bags were packed, sitting at the door, and I was given twenty four hours notice that I was flying out here. Um, arriving here, I knew not a single person. I'd never been to Sydney before. I'd never seen the restaurants, um, and there was no there was no support coming out because of the COVID situation. So I never and but the thing was, I never thought about it. I just I knew what I had to do. I knew what the standard was. I'd spent so long and so long working in kitchens. I think my training just set me up for you know. I knew this is what you have to do. Uh, there's no point feeling sorry for yourself or looking at the situation and thinking it's impossible to achieve this. I just was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And I think I just put as many hours and I just, this worked, you know, it was, the, it was the only way to, to get this, uh, the restaurant off the ground was just to put my head down and just go, you know, to be the only person to have seen, seen core. Yeah. You know, and to be able to then make 50, 50 people believe in that vision is, you know, you have to have a team that trusts you, and that's something that I was really, really grateful for. 
What did you think of the culinary landscape of Sydney when you arrived? Were there any restaurants that really stood out to you? Uh, there's so many restaurants over here that, that are amazing. Um, I mean, Fyodor, who just um, who just won Restaurant of the Year. I mean, they're, they're amazing. They're, so I always enjoy going to eat there. Um, even if you look at places like Key, they still inspire me. Um, you know, Peter Gorm has been around for so long. We've stood at the awards uh, a couple of weeks back, and, and I remember looking at his book when I was 15 years old, you know, the first Key book. So to this, they still inspire me. Um yeah, I think the landscape over here is amazing, and I, you know, I look at all the all the restaurants that are here. I'm just inspired by them. I don't see that anyone has competition, um, especially coming off the back of COVID. I think you know, there's a need to to create a, even an even stronger hospitality industry. We've had to go for a lot. I think it's it's about uh, working together as a team, as an industry, to make our our industry even better. Claire Smith's credentials are extraordinary, but was was there a lot of pressure and tact in the way that um, you created Encore in Sydney, um, considering the success in London and also landing in a new city that's got an amazing uh, restaurant offering already? Uh, yeah, there's always there's always pressure um, doing these sort of things, but I, it's the it's I guess it's down to how much you want to focus on the pressure or focus on the the job at hand. Um, and I was just, I didn't even think about it. I, I just put my head down and just, just went. Um, and, you know, I think it was just more have trust in my team and also have trust in, in what, what I've learned and what we're doing here. Um, you know, it was, the restaurant's amazing. Uh, I sort of always think about it. Claire, Claire gave me the keys to a, a Ferrari. Um, you know, it's been like been part of a Formula One team. You know, everyone's got everyone's got these amazing cars, but you know, you you've still got to go out and drive them. You've still got to go out and and want to be the best. And and um, you know, that was sort of the mindset I had. And, you know, I, everything was there for me to to achieve what we had to, but I had to put the hard work in. As simple as that. Encore received um, three chef hats, which in Australia are, are like Michelin stars. Um, what was the lead up to that like, and and um, what did it feel like when the, it was announced that the restaurant would win that? Um, I think we we'd always always said to ourselves, we you know we only had one chance of the first year, um, and we really wanted to to put our heads down and, and, and make it a, a special restaurant and try um, try getting it off the ground as quickly as possible. Um, you know, everyone put a lot of time into into Encore. Um, everyone worked really hard, um, and I think through doing that, you know, the accolades sort of come later. Um, and I think on the night it was sort of it was it was a sense of relief for all of us um, because you know we we knew what we wanted to do, we knew what we were trying to achieve, and I think there was just a, a pat on the back to say, yeah, you, you guys have done it, um, and it, you know. To achieve that, you know, I'm forever grateful for my for my team for believing in in the vision that we had when we came over here and trusting them in what we were trying to do. So I think that's, you know, to to achieve three hats in the first year is just a um, is all down to my team at the end of the day. Is there a dish or two uh, that you have on the menu at the moment that you can tell us about that sort of exemplifies um, your cooking and the and the offering there at Encore? Um. I think the menu's still very much. It's the menu's still very much Claire's um, in regards to the dishes and stuff that we're doing and her um, her philosophy and her heritage. Um, but I think coming to Sydney, it was about trying to find the ingredients in Australia um, and trying to to replicate those same sort of dishes but using Australian ingredients. I mean, the potato and roe was the first dish I came over 
and had to work on um, and being able to find the Hill family down in the Southern Highlands, go down and see them. Um, you know, um, the farmer, I can't remember his name right now. I think it's Jack. He's, he's in his 80s and he's hand grading the potatoes every single day for us. Um, also, Wentworth is grading the potatoes for us, and you know he's in his eighties, and he does it. He doesn't get them all out; he just does it by weight because he's done it. You know, has one pitch one potato out um, at the right right size, and he and he goes through with his other hand and he scales them next to it manually. You know, it's just it's a nice a nice story. Um, even the uh, the beef and oyster dish that's on the menu, um, finding the black mill beef um, and the Sydney rock oysters—they're just amazing. Um, the quality of produce is, is fantastic over here. So I think, yeah, there's no there's no two dishes that would um, really uh, show what I do as, as a chef. I think it's more showing what we do as a restaurant uh, by using the, the amazing ingredients that are over here. What impact has it had on you um, living back down in this part of the world? Um, uh, it's not really much change, to be fair. Um I sort of, I've just thrown, the last two years, I've just thrown myself into work. Um, so I don't think there's really been much change to, to what I do coming back down to this side of the world. If anything, I just haven't been able to travel as much. Europe's not as uh, not as accessible from Sydney, that's for sure. Uh, well, you're doing amazing things uh, down under since you've been here. What do you love about what you do? Uh, the people I get to work with, the suppliers I get to work with. Um, I think hospitality at the end of the day is all, is all about people. Um, and I have an amazing team around me. Um, you know, Michael Sturant, our restaurant manager, has been there since day one. Uh, we've been through the highs and the lows together. We've had bust-ups in the back, and, uh, you know, and I think, you know, the people that I've managed to, to meet here along the way is, just, is amazing. I think people people like, like Michael and the team that we have, we we're willing to look each other in the eye and say when things aren't right and, and say that we need to be better and, and we, we take it on the chin and, you know, we turn up the next day because we want to make the best experience for our guests. Um, but also we want to do our producers part, um, our, all our suppliers. I think it's about showing respect for, for what they do, you know. At the end of the day, the chef's just the final touch to um, to the amazing ingredient. Um And it's sort of, it's a, an honour on our part to be able to, um, to serve such amazing amazing ingredients that come from our suppliers. Um, but then it's also an amazing, amazing to be able to have so many uh, amazing chefs, um, also find a house in our team and for them to, to show off their craft as well and their skills. Well, Alan, it's amazing what you're doing and it's an honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a part of your story. Um, good luck with everything that you're doing. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.